1: what's up everybody reporting from 222 West Ortega in Santa Barbara California I'm George Nagai and this is Talkin' Schmidt today on the show is Tony 2t2 was born in Vietnam and moved to San Francisco as a young child there in the city is where he started skating after high school Tony thought about hanging it up right before moving to Santa Barbara to start
2: college. But when I moved down to Santa Barbara, I just met more skaters and I was having so much fun, I, I could not. It was like a, I, an addiction I can give up.
1: Once he relocated to Santa Barbara, I met him skating at the infamous Powell Skate Zone. We've been best of friends ever since. He went on to turn pro for Santa Cruz Skateboards, was part of our illustrious shorties family, and was once credited by the Felper as having one of the best kickflips in the biz. So here you go, everybody. Tony, too.
2: This is Tony 2, and you're listening to Talking Schmidt. It's cool, like, tonight is the night. Here we go again. Just give it the old term, right? all cause turn' right big dogs in. Schmitty!
3: 96 times, Schmidt Thanks, Schmitty.
1: We on? Schmitty?
4: Talking
3: Schmidt.
1: That's called uh, huh? a little bit. I'd be <laughs> shit my pants, man. Your
2: hey, Robodex is
4: fucking
1: deep. I don't give a fuck about your fucking multi-million dollar numbers. Who is this guy thinks he's tough shit?
4: What's up? I'm here for
1: Greg yeah!
4: Check one, check two, check, check, check one, Tony two, check, check. <laughs> you never had that one before? <laughs> we're here with Tony two down in, what is this, Woodside, Redwood City?
2: It's, it's still called Redwood City. Just really? moved down here a couple of weeks ago. Nice. And uh, it was a big decision to move away from the city. Since my, my wife Liz works down uh, in Menlo Park, we decided to move the whole family down. And I switched jobs and yeah, we were making it happen.
4: You know you're a hop, skip, and a jump from Steph Curry's house? I am, I know, <laughs> but I don't
2: know which house it is, you can't see any of the houses over here. Yeah. It's like everyone's got like huge uh, cypress or whatever.
4: For isolated, like yeah. privacy. Yeah. I was born uh, about 12 blocks down the street at Kaiser Hospital, grew up in this area, and uh, went to Sequoia High School, so I'm familiar. Nice. Yeah, it's a nice place, everything. I want to start like way back. Okay. You were born in in where? I actually
2: wasn't born here. I was born in Vietnam. Oh. My family um, immigrated here. We were actually refugees. My mom's family came over first and then they sponsored us over and we came over about 1980. And we just went straight to SF. And uh, I I went to K through twelve in SF. So
4: were you how old like eight or something? I was seven.
2: seven. So yeah, SF is it's my I consider it to be my hometown. I went through um, K th- like elementary school in the Richmond District. I went to Presidio Middle School and then I went to Wash. So sick. I'm I'm all Richmond District uh, yeah. kid. And that's where I learned how to skate. You know, my my perception of the city was pretty linear. I would just go from you know basically however the the geary worked. So it went from the beach to Marcadero. Right. I would just go back and forth. I didn't really venture too much, you know, sideways. I didn't go to the Mission too much. I didn't go. Hadn't heard of Glen Park until after high school. Uh. And so all these other neighborhoods, because I didn't have a car, I was very just sort of driven by the bus system.
4: What area were you living in off Geary?
2: Yeah I was in the Richmond district over by uh, 17th and 18th and
4: Balboa. Oh okay.
2: Yeah that's my neighborhood.
4: Do you remember getting your first board and like what sparked that or what what board it was or?
2: Basically I was introduced to skateboarding for my brother. He was was during this experimental stage so he would would just be really into a lot of different uh, activities, <clears throat> whether it was cycling or whatever. One day he came up, came home with a Lance Mountain, and um, he—I remember it was like Burgundy Indies, and I forgot maybe there were Rat Bones. And then um, he went out, and somehow it got stolen. And then he came back later. Maybe maybe he got a he bought parts and came home with a Gator. Oh, and it was a white gator, and um, it was one with like the prismatic. Yeah, and I, I was I basically took to it, and I couldn't really stand. I was kneeboarding, and back then you made a board last, and once the tail kind of warmed down, you drill the back bolts forward so you have more tail. Right, so <laughs> it's kind of like a refresh. I can't remember what exactly my my first board was, but he he basically uh, I just gravitated to it, and then just like all his other activities, he outgrew it within a month or two. But I kind of stuck with it, oh. and then I learned how to roll off a curb, I learned how to then ollie I roll it off a bench, and but my brother was really good. He he taught me, you know, just like everybody else, I was also BMXing, learning how to bunny hop, and um. One day, he taught me how to kickflip. That was my first trick. I learned it in a day. Maybe my first trick was learning how to power slide.
4: Going fast and then just four-wheel sliding.
2: Yeah. My brother's sort of extreme. Um, So he took me to a hill. He didn't take me to like... (laughs) Because he says, you have to go fast. In order to go fast, you, you go a hill. But it scared the shit out of me. And I took... I didn't really learn it that way. I mean, just like with driving our car he taught me how to drive a car uh-huh. i didn't have any drivers ed he just gave me keys he, he, i hopped in the driver's seat and he made me drive on Geary the first day <laughs> and i was flipping out like <laughs> driving on like a main street driving w- in the city's no yeah. joke and um but that's just how he worked he just puts you basically into a situation and you just have to perform and you have to you know sure but yeah, he really inspired me to skateboard and he was always very supportive. But, you know, growing up as an Asian, you know, kid, it was kind of hard. You know, skateboarding is seen at that time more of a white sport. Right. But, you know, we were trying to get you know, assimilated, trying to become American and whatnot. And, you know, I, I didn't really care. That's why I kind of actually love skateboarding is that you can be yourself and not fit in any category.
4: mm but it, it, it
2: was hard, you know. I I did, I did get a lot of slack. You know, you get called banana. Mm. You're basically yellow on the outside, white on the inside. Right. And then even in high school, I remember two of my best friends were black and they were they were both skaters.
4: How long were you, was it till you were comfortable with English?
2: Oh, pretty soon. I mean, oh. um, probably like first or second grade. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. that
4: wasn't an issue. No,
2: that wasn't an issue. But just the culture was very different and most of my friends were Asian still because the Richmond District is mostly Asians or Russians. Yeah, trying to fit in with all the Asians while trying to actually skate—it's—it it's, was you're going against the grain.
4: You kind of stand out in both communities, right? Like not, your own and the skaters. You're like right. Everyone's looking at you like, "What's this dude doing?" Yeah,
2: <laughs> and because of that, you kind of outgrow your your sort of cohort a lot because you know you would skateboard and then. And you, you might meet a couple of friends and then maybe if they were Asian or whatever, they would just kind of like skateboard for six months or a year and then they drop off and then you had to find new friends if you wanted to continue. Yeah. But it made you evolve. It made you really open to meeting new people and being friendly and just kind of accepting others as who they are, not how they look.
4: Right. I would think that maybe the parental units might, their discipline might be part of the process <laughs> of you not skating too long they're really mm-hmm. kind of wanting you to be educated and they have this uh expectation of you right. is that fair
2: that is totally on it um yeah asians really promote education and skateboarding is seen as a toy yeah and just like just the the words they use you know are you going to play skateboard right you know it's not are you going skateboarding it's like yeah. are you going to play skateboard yeah it's like, are you going to play with Legos? Yeah. Um, they don't see it as a profession or has any sort of uh, longevity to to that extent. Also, my parents, being Asian parents, also immigrants, is very. they were very strict. Uh-huh. I was never allowed to sleep over, even through high school. Oh, wow. Basically, if I didn't come home for dinner, I wouldn't eat. So I came home for dinner. Yeah. And I, af- after I ate dinner, I stayed home.
4: Uh-huh.
2: And so that limit how much I can do and... Um, the nightlife was very limited sure but it also kept me out of trouble but my my parents again they also saw it as a dangerous sport yeah a lot of times they would either hide my skateboard one time my <laughs> my my mom just threw my skateboard in her trunk and drove off with it and then i didn't have a skateboard for the day <laughs> so it was like okay i wasn't going skating and then i was kind of wised up and i had two skateboards i had one at school uh. and one at home and one time she locked my skateboard in the garage closet and I like MacGyvered my shoelaces and then <laughs> picked the lock. Like I just basically looped my laces around the, the latch and pulled it yeah. as I pulled the door yeah. and it opened. But you know, they, they, they knew exactly what I was doing. I, I couldn't keep secrets from them. They knew exactly how much I was skateboarding. Um, they didn't like it per se. Uh-huh. Fast forwarding, I felt like I had to give it up once I finished high school because it didn't seem like it was a long-term career choice. But when I moved down to Santa Barbara, I just met more skaters and I was having so much fun. I I could not. It was like a, I, an addiction I can give up. Yeah, you know, That's jumping way ahead. but
4: Right. When your brother taught you the kickflip, right? Uh, looking back at that, between what he told you and what you know, what would you tell somebody that's trying to learn how to do a kickflip? What do you think? Because you had a real good kickflip.
2: Thanks. Um, for me... Learning how to kickflip was basically trying to keep your body in the air as long as possible. So then you can wait for the flip and then anticipate when it's going to flip over and then try to land. So I I actually used to teach skateboarding a little bit and I would bring them to like, um, you know, cafeteria lines usually have like handlebars on both sides. Right. And so I use that, you know, I have them have them brace themselves up. And so like when they kickflip, they push themselves up and they kind of hang in the air. And then they wait for the board to flip and then they come down. And then we graduate away from the railing and then do it, you know, normal. And ah. so it's basically the trick is just to stay in the air as long as possible. Yeah. But then beyond that, I always looked at the kickflip as I wanted to level out the, 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 the board in the air. So it would either be flat or even sometimes boned out.
4: Uh-huh.
2: And I just thought that it looked better or felt better to me. I don't know.
4: Interesting. I like the two-bar action. For yeah. for those of us that don't have a big jump in us, <laughs> that could help. Yeah. Who were some of the early on crew that you met that was like you were skating with in San Francisco?
2: They're just, you know, kid neighborhood kids. But I would say just going up in the avenues, um, there were some big name sponsor skaters. And they were, um, Javante went to my high school. same years no he's he's a one grade or two grades ahead of me okay but it was interesting he was dating a girl in my homeroom so he would come by all the time
4: and you knew who he was
2: yeah i totally did and you know he 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 knew i skated he didn't really you know i was like a little you know kid i remember it was when he was filming the planet earth video and then his girlfriend at the time, I don't know if I have it as right, but I think the gr- his girlfriend at the time got mad because, you know, he was like, the girls, the girls. I don't even remember that video part. Yeah. I remember him getting a lot of world stuff and he, he used to um, sell his stickers, sticker packs, but he also used to, you know, hook me up with boards, but there was also Phil Chen. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. He casting was like puns. stylish guy and, you know, I still keep in touch with him a little bit on social media. He's doing very well. Oh, cool. He's a real estate agent. Like, doing yeah. very well. Nice. But then, like, Rick Abacetta, he went to Lincoln. So a friend of mine, this guy named Heath, he lived on 2nd and Clement, or California. And he had a quarter pipe. And it was a good quarter pipe. It was built very well, super sturdy, heavy. But he also had wheels connected to it. So once you tipped it, you could roll it. And so we would roll it to Roosevelt. And um, Phil Chen used to live around, or around... And Jawante used to live in the early avenues as well, oh. and so um, they would come by and they they would basically, hey, can we skate your quarter pipe? And we would roll it to to Roosevelt, and I would watch all these sponsored skaters ripping up this this ramp. Right. I, re- I remember seeing like Noah Peacock and Sean Martin. I totally love Sean Martin's style. Yeah, it was like sick. so so rad. I think one day it was. Noah peacock was learning how to do a blunt fakie and i just thought it was like the scariest trick ever right and i didn't really skate with those guys but you know i sort of looked at them like definitely idolized them and uh, i would see them in the distance
4: so you're aware of like who good skaters were that lived in your vicinity, like uh mike york tommy guerrero uh
2: i i knew of tommy um and i knew mike carroll Mike Carroll I remember going to this contest in Civic Center. It was like the auditorium it was It was sponsored by a crush like the the soda
4: uh-huh
2: and um I think Kamal was there too. I think he took first place in in that age group oh. um, but I think there was something some issue where with his age and so they took his trophy away. I don't know, but I remember <laughs> um and Mike Carroll finished first in his uh division and he was I was most impressed with his Ollie skills. Because I remember seeing Mike Carroll and Mike uh, and Tommy Girl at uh, Fort Miley. Right. But the bottom part where they had that like the little bump, and they would boost out of there. Oh yeah. And so we used to call big jumps ollie boost. Uh huh. So, but you're boosting off like like a launch ramp, and right. that's what we used to call it. We used to call it ollie boost, but it's like a type of ollie because you're getting extra air and okay. we were always like so amazed at how they could connect the board to their feet the whole time yeah because we were like learning how to ollie one deck you know and they're all in like three or four feet yeah. so we were like wow that's amazing Fuck.
4: what do you remember going to skate shops were you going to concrete jungle or uh skates on hate or some where would you go i
2: went to concrete jungle once i believe yeah i remember um It was probably my birthday and my brother bought me a Santa Cruz, like a half moon logo and then bullet 66, uh, one with a shield Uh and I I fucking love that shirt. I didn't really go there too much. My my shop was more FTC. I would go to the early FTC over on Bush and, um, near Van Ness. Oh, okay. And, um, I think some of the other podcasters talked about that and, uh, it used to be there. Yeah, he was super young. It was run by his dad and his mom Kim, and the skateboard area was just in the back. And one of my friends, a skater at the time, this kid named Benson Wong. He's he's still he's like into, really into cycling now, but he was notorious, uh, at least in my eyes, for like switching out his boards pretty fast. I mean, back then it was if you were a not non-skateboarder, you switched out your board, you know, three weeks to a month. That's fast. Yeah, you know. I would probably have my board for like six months or a year. So he was always buying boards and I would buy his used decks. I remember early on, I would sometimes see Jim Thebo there. And you know, a lot of people say Jim Thebo is like the man, he's like the biggest heart in skateboarding. He used to give me his old hand me downs too, like once in a while. And I was always like super appreciative.
4: Was this kind of when you started putting together, like, I want to get some free stuff. I want to get better at this. Like, was that even in your mind at the time? Or were you just like, what was going on? No. um, I mean, were there video cameras at this time? Were you, was anyone filming or taking photos?
2: Yeah, it was, I shot mostly video with, with, with my friends that, um, and, I mainly filmed with the Russian twins, uh, just because they also went to my high school. Uh-huh. And the Russian twins were, well, these two kids who were Russian, but they also skated amazingly well. They were straight from Russia. So a lot of people didn't really understand them. I think they're kind of, I wouldn't say demonized, but definitely misunderstood. Mm. They were shy. So people didn't really like say, oh, you know, like they were not very approachable or they're so, um, but they were so good. They were amazingly good. I actually quit skateboarding for like three or four months or five months. I was trying to apply to college and I just got really distracted. But skateboarding then, if you missed out a week or two, you were like missing out a lot. It was everything was going so was fast. Great. Yeah. And I remember I came back and everyone was learning Switch. The twins were doing like Switch and then grabbing. Like George was doing Switch heel flips and grabbing Indy. I was like, what? I don't even understand that. So
4: you remember, like, early on, what were some of the first free things you were getting? You mentioned Jim Thibault, yeah?
2: Yeah. um, I I don't really remember getting sponsored or anything yet before I left San Francisco. Um, In 92, I went down to Santa Barbara. But I remember earlier in the years, um, I I used to go to FTC, and, you know, Jim Thibault used to just grace me with his old decks. And he's a guy you know you hear about all the time that he's helped out so many different people and he probably doesn't remember he's ever helped me out for a young kid like me and i didn't you know didn't have an allowance or anything it really made an impact and um i was able to skate and have a decent board um you know now and again because of gym so it it definitely made an impact on my my situation
4: Shout out to Jim Out. All right, so let's talk about the big transformation. You go down to Isla Vista, (laughs) the the college of Halloween havoc, where they close the streets down down there and have huge parties. And you're kind of thinking about not skating anymore. Well, I
2: was kind of thinking about not skateboarding before I went. I was transitioning to college. So I went down to Santa Barbara to go to college. I wasn't really thinking too much about it. I just just found a house and moved in, and I found out where Powell Skate Zone was. Oh. I didn't have a car, and I didn't know how the buses ran, but I had a bike. So I would bike probably half an hour from where I lived, like midtown. So it was just north of Goleta, but not necessarily Santa Barbara, even though my address said Santa Barbara. It was technically in Goleta. It's it's called Turnpike. Uh Uh-huh. And um, I would bike from there to the skate zone and skate, you know, basically all day and then skate back in the dark. And I just did that for the first few days and I didn't know anybody. I just started to go there all the time and I just met some of the locals and they were really amazing. And the guys that uh, embraced me were what I called at the time the shorties guys. You know, it was George Nagai, Manabu Kumakura, Eric Hatch. And then later, um, Tony Bujolos would come out, and he had just started Shorty's Hardware. And he would give me bolts you know, here and there. I, I, maybe that was my first sponsor.
4: Shorty's Bolts?
2: Yeah. Sick. And he gave me his number, and I would call him, and he would he would drive from his house downtown to Powell to drop off bolts for me. And I was like, what? This is crazy. And I just you know hung out with those guys, and I just started to skate. And um, Church of Skating opened, oh, yeah. so the skate shop. And somehow I rode for Church of Skating, so I was on Church of Skating and Shorty's Hardware Bolts. But, but back then, I mean, I guess going back a little bit, I used to film with the twins a lot. So they we would put together response movie videos. And at the time, I was huge on Think, like you know, it's just going up in the you know the Bay Area, you know, just seeing Greg Carol, and you know Think was like big. Yeah, you know, I wanted to be on Think, and. I, I gave him one of my sponsor me videos, which I later, many, 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 many years later, I happened to be at their house somehow. I can't remember why or how, but I saw my skate video, and I took it back. No way. <laughs> so so I, I have it now. But as, so I'm, sick. So I, I somehow stole my own skate, uh, <laughs> sponsoring video back. Sorry, Greg. Um, <laughs> but he probably would have tossed it anyways. Yeah, so, th- so the twins, you know, they helped me out with a lot of footage, and um, I used that to basically try to get sponsored. Being down in Santa Barbara, and at the time, Santa, Mike Santa Rosa was on Think oh, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And also Jeff Chamley. He was living in Santa Barbara, and he had just turned pro for Think. Um, so there was also it, it was interesting. Even when I went down to Santa Barbara, Think was still like a big thing. Yeah. And Pow was kind of generic then, you know. And even though we were skateboarding, skating the Pow Skate Zone, I was never thought to, you know, want to ride for Pow. But actually, at one point, Todd Hastings, who used the, was the brand manager or team manager at one point, he actually gave me a package. He, you know, he said, go in a warehouse, pick out anything you want. So I picked out boards and whatever. And I was like, I got one package from Pal. And so he's like, yeah, maybe you want to ride for Pal. And then I was talking to some of my friends, and I, they're like, no, you know, ride for Other Level. And it was my friend, um, George Nagai, and um, Tony Presenio and Eric Villalobos. So I said, okay. Other Level is basically a shoot-off out of vision it was a package deal where i can get vision shoes i'm like okay i'll get boards and shoes like why not yeah and then i mean they were terrible shoes <laughs> <laughs> so i hopped on other level and i basically say yeah, you know todd i'm not gonna ride for power I'm, you know it, i don't think i was ever on so i basically left the flow team if there was a flow team uh-huh. and then i got an other level and then a month later those guys i wanted to be on with the team went to acme so i was like okay so, but it, I was kind of stuck on all the level, and I was like, okay, whatever, I'll make the best out of it. So I just skated, skated, and I used to do castle contests a lot, you know, because you know they would come to Powell. Powell was one of the major stops. Yeah. And I was also oh one actually one of my first friends was not George, it was Ty, uh, Ty Evans. Oh wow! Ty Evans used to go to the skate zone. He would drive had this white GTI or Volks, Volkswagen Golf. He used to ride, and um, he used to. Drive from Camarillo up to Pau and he would skate and you know somehow we just became friends. So he he used to help me out and he he was also filming a lot too. Um, but somehow I forgot who it was, but they connected me to uh, Jason Rothmeyer and he at the time was you know on again off again Santa Cruz and Foundation. I don't I don't know if you remember that Jason Rothmeyer gave my video to Jeff Kendo and um, they came down to a Castle Finals. And I think it was Jeff Kendall and Russ Pope, oh, okay. who was at the time doing SMA before Creature. I didn't really know what to think of it, you know, and I ended up getting fourth, which wasn't great, but it was enough. And they said, yeah, hey, yeah, give us a call. Uh, here's our phone number and, you know, we'll send you a package. So they started sending me packages. And it was, I remember this, my first package, I came home late. Maybe I was in school, came home late and Jeff and Ty took my package, opened it up and said hey we came across some gear you want some <laughs> and they were giving my package back to me <laughs> but making me do like something i forgot what they were like oh if you know i'll give you st- st- this set of wheels if you promise to do this yeah it was, it was just fucking with me wow like, it was really funny like they stole my package for me and gave it to me and they beat uh-huh. pieces uh it's kind of comical but yeah um, i didn't know you lived with Ty. we were just roommates in, in a sort of like a random house was um, he
4: going to UCSB?
2: He was going to Santa Barbara City College oh. to learn. Um, he was like learning multimedia even back then.
4: How to mount cameras onto cars? <laughs> not yet, <laughs>
2: not yet. Yeah. Um, but he was. I remember him talking about Photoshop and all those things, and I I didn't even understand it. But he's been messing with a video camera for a long time. But uh-huh. kind of like the twins, though, he was both a good skateboarder and a good filmer. So he kind of wore both hats and. Even years down the line, he wrote for Powell. He was on, you know, Suburban, what was that, Suburban Diners? I forgot what the video was called. But um, he was a sponsor amateur. Right. It was so weird because I moved down to Santa Barbara thinking I was going to go to school. And I just was blown into this situation where I met all these new industry people. And it was even more skateboarding. Right. And um, I was so like, hard. It made it, I mean, it was hard. It was really hard. I was... My my first year, I did okay. Second year, I just was not into it, and then I ended up making sure that I was my, I had decent grades to be able to drop out. Oh, because I made sure that when the time came, I could go back, and so I dropped out in good standing so that I can go back when when you know I felt like I wanted to, and I did go back um, about ten years later. But yeah, it was weird um, trying to quit skateboarding and getting more into it, and it was kind of weird because in Santa Barbara. If you think about it, it's mostly a a white and Hispanic town. I was surrounded by a lot of Asian skaters, and more so than San Francisco.
4: That's bizarre.
2: I had friends at this university who skated, too. Right. And so there was, like, this guy named Nelson Shin.
4: Was Tone there?
2: No, Tone, uh, that's, like, L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's much, much later. So it, I had, like, four or five friends who skateboarded, and they were Asian, in Santa Barbara. And I had, like, one or zero in san francisco
4: yeah but also to to be fair the popularity of skateboarding was growing right
2: these were people that were skateboarding for a while they were not yeah. new to skateboarding
4: and is george from santa barbara yeah he, oh so he was living there besides and he went to school there too
2: george was born and raised and still there
4: oh wow yeah
2: george the i mean guy he,
4: with that thrasher cover Somehow yeah. he landed it yeah <laughs> shout
2: out and george the guy He introduced me to Scott Starr, who's a photographer, and a lot of people don't know Scott Starr. Um, He shot a lot of my early ads.
4: Do you remember first photo being published?
2: Yeah, it was a Switch Crooked Grind. It was a Santa Cruz ad. And uh, it said like, stronger, better, and there was like pictures of like two guys with like dumbbells and like kind of lifting (laughs) weights. That was your
4: first photo ever was an ad. I think so. Was it in Thrasher or Transworld? Oh, back cover thr- Shit. Because
2: Santa Cruz owned the back cover. Yeah. They and do. so my, my first ad, I think, was a back cover of Thrasher.
4: How sick. Damn, that's pretty sick.
2: And Scott was really cool in the sense that he he didn't use flashes, he used reflectors. And so it was a little bit non traditional. And he also tried to shoot things from different angles. Mm-hmm. And he's actually pretty accomplished. I think there was one year when actually scott shot tw- six of the 12 covers of thrasher that mm-hmm. year like like people from like Hussoy and stuff like
4: yeah he was shooting uh snowboarding too i think right mm-hmm. yeah. he,
2: he was friends with the barford guys or whatever yeah towards the end he was shooting a lot of the shorty stuff in santa barbara okay we would just call him go find him at the beach and you know he lived down there yeah, he lived in Montecito down by the beaches and he was always at the beach. And you know, if you can find him, then drag him over and shoot a photo and then go back to the playing Frisbees. Uh, okay. Oh, and to get this, the first time I met Scott Starr, it was really embarrassing. <laughs> so I, I go to George's house, I meet Scott, and somehow I stepped in dog shit. And then I stepped in his car. He's like, what's that smell? And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Literally shit. And I, it was just like the worst first impression. Damn. And I'm like trying to like get to the, you know this photographer. And I like just completely made a fool of myself. Oh, man. And um, But he was like cool with it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, what? Why would I shoot this guy? He just brought shit into my car. Yeah. You know? But he was super nice. And uh, yeah, we shot a lot of stuff together over the years. Oh, rad. And there was one shot. Uh, it was a kickflip over the fence with like a bougainville in the background. It was like burgundy. At one point, uh, Bryce said, "Don't send those to the companies. Send it to us. That could have been a cover." So I was like, "Damn, damn." <laughs> but it was it was a inside cover of Thrasher. It was a Santa Cruz. Maybe it was a dire- it was a Direction ad. It was Direction Wheels. Okay. Basically, Jeff gave me all these choices to you know in terms of what, what wheel companies and board companies. He said, "Okay, you in Santa Cruz? Do you want Indies or Crux?" I'm like, "Indie." You know, I'm yeah. from San Francisco, I want indies. Yeah, And he's like, do you want Speed Wheels or Direction? I'm like, I want Direction. I want, like, the elite stuff, you know, <laughs> for me. Anyways, that's what I felt like were yeah. um, more established brands. Uh-huh. And Direction at the time was pretty insane. It was like Mike Crone, Chris Markovich, uh, Jeff Taylor was on there. I was probably the first Am, I can't remember. But at the time, like... He, you know, if, if you were a kid and you were given a choice between Indy and Crux, I mean, it was a no-brainer for me. Much respect to Crux, but I was just like, you know, indie. Yeah, you know, or if it wasn't indie, I would go Venture, Thunder, or whatever like right. SF truck brands. Yeah.
4: In uh, Santa Barbara, was there any Frankie Hill sightings? Not at the time. Uh, I
2: actually he was off the you know off the map for a while, and I actually didn't engage with uh, Frankie Hill until much later. I'll say like the early 2005,
4: oh, really? much, much later. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. Okay. It was when uh, this guy named Ty Khan who, who was from Carpinteria, and he basically developed this uh, skateboarding company called Diabolico with Santa Rosa. Yeah. And it was at the time where I, once I basically I got kicked off Santa Cruz, I didn't want to linger. I didn't want to be a skater that kind of, I didn't want to hold on. Uh-huh. You, know, you know, I'm not saying that badly about other people who 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 love skateboarding and want to continue that. But for me, like, once I was no longer a pro, I didn't need to be pro anymore. I was accepting of it, and I was okay with moving on. I actually made a point, like, I didn't want to film. Because I didn't want anything coming out that I thought was less than what I could do. Now thinking back, I think that is completely bullshit because i think what really matters is like are you having fun yeah it doesn't matter what tricks you're doing anymore if you're having fun a slappy is awesome
4: but the competitive nature takes over where yeah. you're like i raised the bar to here i can't go backwards
2: exactly and that was what i was thinking at the time Makes sense. and so i didn't want to go into a, a just like a little brand and you know be a pro or whatever but and so it was much 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 later it was in 2005 or so where I was given an opportunity to be a part of this company called Diabolico. And it was Mike Santa Rosa, myself, George, Jesse Sylvie, and I'm forgetting, oh my God. Uh, Mike, there's going to Mike, I can't remember his last name. And uh, we basically put money into this company where, it, well, it was Mike, George and I put 250 in and we basically paid for the, the scan for l six screens. Or whatever the heat transfers,
4: uh-huh.
2: and then Ty would pay for the wood and whatever, and we would get you know boards, and we were never paid, but it was just like a fun project. And Frankie Hill then got a board on that. Oh, and then, so that's how I interacted with Frankie Hill much much later, like I said, like 2005 or something like that.
4: Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Did you ever meet uh, Rosa when, when the shorties days?
2: Yeah, I did. Um, I didn't know her that well. But I would see her, and I would say hi. And she was
4: a phenom. <laughs>
2: she was. And I was you know, also a little shy. I mean, she was gorgeous. So uh. was, I didn't want to be perving out too much. I remember the very first catalog, it was called Rosa's Secrets. Like, you know, in, instead of Victoria's Secret, it yeah. was Rosa's Secret. Right. Yeah, that's how she became really famous. And um, one of Shorty's first sort of slogans was, everyone needs a little nut and like two monkeys having sex. right? And that's why... Shorties was so awesome back then um, because I love that they era. gave everything away. They ba- they probably gave eighty percent of their stock, like the the inventory, f- to skaters, and they just that's how they got the word out. Mm. You know, they they the advertising, slapping stuff, but it wasn't like through advertising that got their name out. It was through people were like saying this is a rad right company and All I, right. I want to support it. I would come up to SF and I had Shorty stuff and uh, I would you know give it to the Russian twins, whoever else, and um, that's. I don't know. I was always really down for those guys because they really supported me early on.
4: For sure. Do you have like a highlight of that era like through the shorties days? Like what, like a memorable trip or just some part of being like hanging with the crew or whatever?
2: I would say just the Church of Skating days, you know, the early days because...
4: You were in those video, yeah? Mm -hmm. I was
2: in all six probably. Oh, six. It was rad because if you were... On the team, basically, it, Church of Skate was funded by Shorties, and Church of Skate was the warehouse. It was it was a mail order, but it was also the skate shop.
4: Kind of like CCS, but right. before that,
2: right? And because it was a mail order, they had a wide distribution and they had a lot of connections, and that's how they were able to sell the Church of Skate videos to all these shops all over. So even though it was one of the first shops you besides like FTC that sold their video shops to other shops, yeah, you know. Uh, if you're like a shop in, like, say, you know, cheapskates or whatever in the Midwest, why would you want to buy a short skating video? Yeah. You know, no, no one was really making that much videos, many videos. So so that's how we kind of got promoted. And so they were promoting us. So we would go on trips all the time, and the trips were indirectly funded by shorties. And, you know, Eric Hatch would drive and video, and we didn't have to worry about gas. We didn't have to worry about any stuff. It was like like road trips like every weekend and we would just go up and down the coast skating and it was just like really really fun and it was but you were with your friends yeah and so you you were going skating with your friends but the gas was paid by Shorties in a way so good so it was awesome right. I, don't, I don't know if that's actually what happened but i, I that's my interpretation <laughs> of how yeah. that went down and also like you know Shorties paid for all those you know dv tapes oh yeah and whatever else right so yeah those church skating videos were they were fun projects, but they also they promoted us a lot. you know all the all the local skaters got a lot of promotion from them mm-hmm. and it was really w- weird in the sense that my name was more connected to shorties than it was sometimes connected with Santa Cruz, even though I was I never rode for shorties
4: uh-huh. as a board brand right Just the bolts.
2: just the bolts.
4: and um, but that was kind of your crew. Like you hung out with those guys maybe more than whoever was on Santa Cruz at the time.
2: Well, it was, it was also because of photo incentive. Uh. Santa Cruz didn't give photo incentive.
4: Oh right. So Whereas you shorties,
2: would wear the shorties, shirt. Shorties, sure. shorties would give us photo incentive, and we would get like two hundred bucks for a full page ad. Sick. And so if I'm in a Santa Cruz ad, I might even wear a Shorty's photo. I yeah, mean sh- sure. Shorty's t-shirt yeah. because I want <laughs> <H-2> you know, know you need you need to make money. Yeah. Or you definitely have a sticker on your board. Probably because of that, my my name got connected more with Shorties. Actually, after. I got kicked off Santa Cruz. It was like, I think right around almost right before 2000. It was the first time I actually, I used to say, Oh, yeah, I'm down with all the shorties guys, but I've never worked there. And then I actually got a job as the promotions manager for shorties, where my job was to, I was a team manager for the hardware team. Plus, I also promoted all the other brands like Ghetto Child and Skateboard Team. And so I got even more connected to shorties. Right. And sometimes the magazines would mix pe- mix me up with Tone. Oh. So there would be a photo of Muska with Tone Nguyen, but the caption would say Muska and Tony too. Oh. This is at Trans World. And we're like, <laughs> what? It was like, and it didn't happen once. And it happened like, I think oh, at much? least twice. Oh, it was man. just really weird. So I, I apologize to Tone all the time. I'm like, hey, I know <laughs> that's you. I, other people can't tell, apparently.
4: What if you got photos instead have- <laughs> of, thanks, Tone? <laughs> Let's take a quick time out, hear from some of our peeps, and we'll be right back.
1: I want to get a, a shout out um, and a public service announcement at the same time. Uh, public service announcement, A, support your local shops. And by supporting your local shops, you are supporting your local skateboarders because those shops are able to look out and sponsor And give these guys products so they go out and start ripping. Uh, Mine was All Skate. Before that, it was Go Skate. Shout out Dale, the dad. I love those stickers. Go skate or go home, bro. Anyways, this one goes out to Aaron Jones. Skate virus out of San Jose. Uh, When nobody was there and I was sitting in darkness trying to relearn, Aaron Jones was hooking me up with boards. I walked into his shop. It's a bike shop, but part of it is skateboards. And it's all old school, retro, vintage boards like the Nottis I used to have when I was a kid. Uh, Don't go buy it. I still haven't got it, but I want that Nottis glow-in-the-dark looking one. It's so sick. Anyways, support your local skate shop. Do not support your mainstream uh, mall shops. Don't support those shops that got skateboards, but when you walk in and they look at you like you're a kook. And they just want your money because they're vamped out of their minds. You know who I'm talking about and I'm talking to you. So uh, support places like Atlas, Society, Skate Virus, Go Skate, uh, probably rest in peace, I don't know if you're still around, Go Skate. Uh, stay up, all love, uh, Talking Schmidt is the shit.
4: Hey, it's Matt D at DLX Skate Shop, 1831 market at Guerrero, as in Tommy. Come see us, real, anti-hero, crooked, thunder, venture, spitfire. We are here every day of the week except the big holidays. We've got a curb and we've got smiles on our faces. Come, let us get you stoked. What happened when they kicked you off Santa Cruz? How? What was the reasoning, or how did that go? Did they give you a call? Did they call you into the office? Did they send you a text? And what was the reasoning?
2: Um, you were I, pro, right? Yeah, I was pro. Okay. I, I was. I turned pro. I think late ninety seven. You know, it was a short stint, like three and a half years or two and a half years. I can't remember, but I just, I kind of lost motivation. And I was, I wouldn't say I wasn't much of a party, but, you know, I, I kind of had my party stage too. I just wasn't motivated anymore. And I also had some beefs with the, the team manager at the time. And then also Lance Dalgard had done an interview with me on, it was like for Transworld online. And um, I said, oh, you know, team manager is basically like a babysitter which you are, you know. And, and everyone that doesn't say, you know, everyone says that, oh, I'm not a babysitter. I'm like, yeah, you are. Yeah. You know, don't try to glamorize your job. That's what you're doing. You're a babysitter. And so I guess Kendall got a little bummed. Maybe that was a straw that broke the camel's back or whatever. Huh. But there was also a lot of things that I felt like I wasn't getting um, involved in or I wasn't having my my say. And so I was maybe getting a little turn off. But I was also young, I was a late bloomer, but still, like, I didn't start skating until I was 15. So when I turned pro, I was 25, which is really late. Oh, yeah. But I'm a kid still. And so I feel like I I didn't grow up until I was like 40. So (laughs) I was still making little kid mistakes Mm -hmm. and not really knowing how to talk to people. And, um, you know, you hear about this all the time. Like, you know, a lot of the younger pro skaters, like, they can be very um, just stupid
4: or just immature. Yeah.
2: I probably said a lot of immature, stupid stuff too. And, you know, all together that I mean, of course, I was bummed. It was tough because it was an identity crisis a little bit because then I didn't know who what I was supposed to do. Mm. Like I'm a skateboarder, but now I'm not pro. Do I go to another company and continue that? And I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. I don't. I don't want to hold on. Right. So if I'm not gonna be a pro skater, then what do I do? So it was like I was trying to figure out who am I, like sort of
4: deal. Did you see it coming, or was it kind of out of nowhere? Or I think.
2: Well, I, I just really rubbed. The, the team manager and I just didn't really like each other. Uh-huh. Uh, when we were on tour, we, we butted heads quite a bit. Uh-huh. You know, I was probably a brat too, but I just remember when we went to Chicago one, one time and I had to pee and they were just fucking with me and they wouldn't let me out. And we were trying to go to um, the skate shop over there. I forgot the name of it, but then we finally got to a red light and I just opened a door and walked out and I went to the bathroom. And this is before cell phones or anything. <laughs> and I just like left the the van. And it turned out that the skate shop was like another block. But they didn't say shit to me. They just, said, they just ignored me. I had, to, I had to pee really bad. And I don't know. It's just shit like that. I don't want to talk, you know, to be too negative. But, you know, those are the circumstances. But uh-huh. I'm not saying that I wasn't at fault. You know, I, I probably brought on some of these... Um, incidents on upon myself too just being young and stupid.
4: Right. Good friend of ours just texted in with a question, Mr. Dan Nazaretta. Oh yeah. Did you guys meet in Santa Barbara or did you know him before that? I
2: met him in Santa Barbara. Okay. Um he was going to school there and somehow we connected, probably at PAL maybe, but uh he's also friends with this guy named kip fullback who's who's a art professor there and and um just hanging out with Dan and just oh, his, his whole crew was very, very tight. And he went up to SF and um, was working at Thrasher. And I think that's how you guys met. Yep. And uh, he hooked up the whole
4: um, the Thrasher video thing, how to. and uh, Yeah, I remember Muska uh, did the How to Ollie with the Bunny Rabbit? You got to pop like a Bunny Rabbit. <laughs> Yo, what's up? This is Chad Muska. I'm going to teach you how to Ollie with the Thrasher video. i
1: going to teach you how to Ollie. You got to have pop like a rabbit.
4: <laughs>
2: And I had the front side and uh, backside board slides. Right. And then I had the whole outro where I was like trying to, you know, give the directions and whatever and just kept on messing up. It was like the bloopers. Basically what happened was we were drinking and then we were trying to film that with a straight face and then we were just like messing up. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun.
4: I did a Rob Welsh, um How to Kick Flip. And uh, we went to Union Square and he gave the mic to just some random girl And he wrote on a piece of paper and he's like, read this. So it's just like some girls reading how to do the kickflip and he's showing with the feet. That was a fun one. And I'm pretty sure that was one where Jake dressed up like the professor, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun video to make. Um, But he's got the question is, favorite college? He's saying, is it Stanford, Cal, or UCSB?
2: Favorite college is still UCSB. Really? Yeah. it's on the beach, it's always sunny, those are like the, the good old days of learning how to skate, and skating after work, and everyone getting together, and yeah, Santa Barbara is still, I, I hold it dear to my heart. Yeah.
4: Do you go down there still occasionally?
2: A little bit. I actually hung out with George and the guy last night. Oh. We went, uh, we went. He's up here. He came up his 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 wife's family uh, lives in San Jose and he was up here just for the weekend and uh, we went out last night and we we got um some beers and just like hung out and caught up on stuff and it was Sick. really cool. Yeah. We still like try to keep in touch and stuff like that.
4: I got to ask you um you said that growing up you kind of had like a little bit of a shelter as far as like being home and not partying at night and stuff. Going from that Straight to Isla Vista to college, that's pretty uh, mm. big change, yin yeah. and yang, if you will. Uh, what was that like for you? Is that when you discovered drinking and stuff? I actually um,
2: didn't drink at first for a long time. Oh, I didn't probably start drinking till maybe after I was 21. Because I was so into skateboarding oh. at one point, and I didn't want to be hungover for Saturday because Saturday was such a big day, and I wanted to be able to produce, and so... I didn't drink on Friday nights and I, I maybe drank Saturday night, but maybe not that much. And it probably got to a point where, when, you know, I kind of got more comfortable with it than I would, you know, got got into party mode. And I, I was, I, I had some nor- notoriety for about, you know, being, being drunk at times and falling down and whatever <laughs> else. But we, we all used to go out to Isla Vista on a Friday, Friday or Saturday night. And, in mass, like about 20 of us. And we would basically sit across um, like 10 guys on one side of the street and 10 guys on the other street. And everyone that walked by, we would just talk shit to them. And it was just it was just kind of fun, just heckling people. Yeah, We used to do that every weekend until <laughs> until I got old. Because there's a lot of high school kids, so we were sure. sort of over it. And I, most of us could already buy beer, so we didn't need to be in Isla Vista. Uh-huh. And I've actually only spent maybe... In 18 years only 3 nights in Ileavista. And oh. one of the nights was at Dan's house.
4: I've spent more than 3 nights in Isla Vista. Yeah. <laughs> wow, oh, okay. Yeah. So you were on the, you were outside.
2: Yeah, I was always living downtown, Midtown. Um yeah, there there were certainly times where um and that's kind of how I got sort of a you know, Terminator as a nickname is I used to get, you know, into party mode. Uh-huh. And but luckily I people confuse me with manabu so sometimes i would do bad stuff and he would get the heat for it but also like they say oh yeah we saw manabu doing lip slides at san marcos right and he was like uh that wasn't me but <laughs> yeah we, we were thinking about getting a shirt that said um i am and it was like you know my name then manabu's name then george's name and it would like check all three <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's amazing so, did you have you ever had a hangover Hangover, yeah, surely. Nazaretta claims he's never had one. Oh, really? Yeah, he he's one of those freaks that says he can drink and he just wakes up, he's mm, fine. I don't think so. That's why I stopped drinking.
2: Actually, one of my best skateboarding days was when I was hungover. Really? And I, I'll tell you why, it's because I was so hungover that I didn't have any expectations about doing anything. And so I approached the day like, oh, I could Ollie Ogre oh, and it doesn't hurt. I'm having fun. And it was like the littlest things made me happy. Sure. Because usually I was I had all these things that I wanted to do. I, I had like, you know, like all these, like a whole list of items I wanted to do. And it was like, I was work. I was in work mode. And when I was hungover, I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy the day. And it was like so awesome. Uh-huh. So it really is like perspective, like, because I didn't have any expectations. Everything was, was cool. Yeah. But that was, you know, that was a weird, that's just one random hungover day.
4: Yeah. I remember when I was younger and just getting into drinking, watching other people hung over, ripping, or even sometimes drunk, I think that kind of like sparked me to want to do, like I, mm. that was my mentality, yeah. like it was so crazy. But you would see dudes, I, I don't even know who in particular, but it was like, holy smokes, we went out partying all night last night and then the next day this guy's ripping and he's sweating it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh Well it's just
2: like um, I remember going to Tampa Pro. I had heard Andrew Reynolds I, I was in the first heat. I just flown out there. It was my first I-, I went to Tampa Am because Kendall said, you know, you can't turn pro unless you do Tampa Am and then a month later it was Tampa Pro. So I did Temporal M and in Pro like in t- back-to-back months. <laughs> yeah. But I remember going to the Pro and I had heard that I was in the first heat with Andrew Reynolds. Fuck. And he partied till like 4 or 5 in the morning. And the heat was at 10 o'clock. <laughs> so I'm thinking 7 o'clock Western time. I never skateboard before noon. So I'm like, there's no way Andrew's going to do well. He qualified first. Yeah. So I was like, damn that's insane right those guys but you know what my favorite thing to do sometimes is drinking and skating in mini ramp oh yeah because it's it just like on a sunny day you're drinking a beer and just like gradually yeah and it's, it's funny like you can you're skateboarding for three or four hours and you're having so much fun you can do all these things like you're not really feeling the buzz and then you get off your board and you can barely walk. Yeah, it's, it's so, trippy. It's
4: so crazy. We used to have a ramp in our backyard, and we would do that all the time, and be like, "Holy shit! I was fine on my skateboard." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it Was so weird. Yeah. I don't want to take too much of your time, but um, just to kind of fast forward to like where we are now, you've you've gotten married, you've had you got some kids, you you moved down to the peninsula, mm-hmm. you're doing a lot of photography. Mm-hmm. What else is going on for you?
2: Well, after uh, skateboarding, I just wanted to do something creative. And I remember just always being curious about when I was being photographed, what the photographer was doing. I remember me and being on tour and, like, you know, just watching Atiba or Brian Ueda and just seeing what they were doing. They were like, just fiddling with all the, the knobs and stuff, and it was always super interesting to me. And so, I used to have a point and shoot you know, I had a yashika T4, mm. and I would, everyone had that Carl Zeiss lens, yeah. And I had two of them i had one with black and white, and one with color, and so I didn't have to, you know, switch out the, the film. Oh, nice, yeah. I was just like super interested, and um, I wanted to just do it, and then. One day I'm like, I think I'm gonna try to be a photographer and try to book gigs, and but I didn't really know how to do it, and I just faked it until I made it. I mean, what do you
4: you do? Like you start with weddings,
2: or I did portraits, Portraits? and then uh, but now I've done I've done quite a few weddings. I've done a lot of headshots. I've done corporate work. I've done events, but with kids now, it's so hard. Um, I, my bandwidth is just like so full. I, I I don't really have much time to dedicate to that anymore. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, now that my kids are getting a little older, I hope to do a little bit more. Mm. There was a time where I would just be so tired. I, the last thing I want to do is I turn on my computer to do editing. Sure. You know, because a lot of people don't understand that t- snapping the photo is only like the the first part of it. Yeah. It's ten percent. Yeah. You know, and then the, the, the ninety percent is like the agony that you have to go through to get the photo that you want. Right, and so they don't understand that. And the way I like to edit is like I want to make it look like it hasn't been edited. Because I mean, sometimes people make it look too fake. And and I, I made a lot of those mistakes too. And I've like learned like to not over edit. I want to under edit and make it look like it's more realistic and natural. Right, and also try to like shoot it right the first time in camera and so that my post-production is less yeah so learn how to do that
4: same with video it's like you want the exposures to be on you want the focus all those things to be on so there's less tweaking in the right right
2: right but i'm sure it's the same um you have there's a lot of post-production that people don't understand that you're doing
4: <sighs> yeah it's it's crazy so your eyes are just bugging out need a lot of monitor time people are like oh you're a photographer say yeah but i'm also a a a monitor watcher because i i have to like get the colors i have to like crop them sometimes or go through like five thousand photos to find the one it's about the ones whatever it may be yeah sure what is there anything coming up that you're excited about uh
2: yeah i want to plug out my friend sammy baptista yeah he's he just started this company with brandon turner called guilt g-i-l-t yeah And he actually put um, one of my, an old photo of mine that Jake Rosenberg had shot of me. Sick. I'm doing a nose bonk on the the planner and Embarcadero right in front of the fountain. Uh One of Sammy's friends rendered it and they made it into a shirt and so he's selling it. So I just want to give his company a shout out. I mean, his story is so amazing. I've known Sammy since he was like nine years old. You know, him going through his accident and getting like, um, you know, a third or more of his body burnt and just coming back and... Seeing him skating again, it was really, really amazing. Yeah. And then him still, you know, trying to be an innovator and an entrepreneur. So it was pretty cool.
4: We got no choice. We're, we have the creative bug. So it's like yeah. if you're skating or not, you're always going to try to be doing something creative the individuality all those things like it's like it's in our blood yeah i gotta give a shout out to brandon turner shout out because he and i have a date with wallenberg that he didn't finish last (laughs) time he was here and he was damn close get back here let's get Mm -hmm. that um shit it's been cool hanging um catching up is there anything else we need to touch on before
2: No, not really. I mean, I'm sure I forgot so many people's names and um, a a lot of special people that have done so much for me. And without all of them, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I just I'm so grateful and I want to express gratitude to all the people who helped me and and who taught me good lessons. You know, maybe at the time I thought they were being tough or on me or whatever, but they, they taught me to, you know, they set me straight.
4: Well, I heard rumor that Aaron Mazes said you were the smartest to ever go to Embarcadero. Smartest EMB guys. Oh, no? really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got any songs uh, that you want to end this with that we can take out of here?
2: Let's go out with uh, Hungry Like the Wolf because it was, it was my breakout video part from Santa Cruz and um, Ty, Ty picked it out for me. And um, it was, at the time, I was like super hungry and that was sort of like a theme for me. Duran so, Duran yeah
4: wow that's a good one all right well Tony thanks for taking the time out we got uh we got a little window with your kids taking a yeah. nap and I appreciate it. it gave me an excuse to come back to my hometown yeah Redwood City climate yeah. best by government <laughs> test you heard it
3: here yeah <laughs>
4: Big love, man. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having
2: me. It's an honor. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at talkingschmidt@gmail.com. at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.